Welcome to Open World Chat. We're joined today by Lacey Bogger Milas. Did I do it? Yeah. You good. did it. A writer of some renown whose words you've seen on Pace, Nerdist, Collider, and my personal web home, Den of Geek, uh, and whose voice you've heard on the Flash podcast. Welcome, Lacey. It's good to Hi. have you. I really thought when I got married, I was going to get a name that was easier to pronounce than my maiden name, but that was wrong. Yeah, my wife told me to go pound sand when I. Um, uh, truly, she... if, if I'd known how much, uh, I got pandemic married, which is a whole bunch of terrible stories, but, um, if I'd known what a pain in the butt in the butt it was to change your name at my age, I would have literally never done it. So consider that your warning listeners of the world. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just don't, don't do it. it. So before we get too far into it, Jim, I think perhaps we'd better inform listeners who we are. Yes. Um, John, you go first. You're the old hand. <laughs> I'm the old hand. All right. I'm 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 one of your hosts, John Odom, and Jim Dandino is the other host. And hey. I can't wait for this conversation. I am a dyed-in-the-wool Trekkie. So. It's been a long time since I've shouted at people about Star Trek on the internet. <laughs> oh, come read the comments on my reviews sometimes. It's a Jesus good time. Christ. I've, I've got a guy. i got a guy who hates me on the Young Justice reviews. He's so mad at me because this season is so terrible. And he's like, you just don't oh, get I got it. A like, de- I got a death threat on The Flash because of the last bad season. And I was like, go outside and touch grass. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like, just go outside. Like, it actually caused me to step back for a second. I'm like, wait, do I just not like things anymore? And then I wrote <laughs> and then I wrote about Legends of Tomorrow the next day. And I'm like, no, I actually do like things. It's no, just this My sucks. argument to this is always that. If I didn't care about it, I wouldn't write about it. Because if I That's didn't true. care about it, I wouldn't engage with it. That's like, true. Uh, it's 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 I care, so I want it to be better. Like, I, I, and I I Young Justice this season of Young Justice makes me mad in a way that I haven't gotten mad at things in a long time because they're doing so. John, I don't know if you're watching the show. Have you ever watched any of it? Uh, no, I haven't gotten into it. It's neither have I for that matter, but I am aware of it. It's generally like they basically turn the Teen Titans into a Black Ops strike team. I know, but Bruce Greenwood is Batman and they make it work, right? But like, so this season has, they're halfway through. It's run in three arcs. There's there's an arc about how racist all the Martians are. There's an arc about Tigress and Cheshire's family lives. And there's an arc about Zaytana and her dad, right? And I mean, one out of three sounds okay. The ideas behind them all are pretty good it's just the execution is so poor and the the zaytana one they do this thing where they tell half of the story they it's like an it's like a motion cop like those old motion comics right they're not fully animated it's like somebody narrating it's vandal savage or nabu or the phantom stranger narrating a story about the lords of chaos and order and the history of something over these motion comics while the present day stuff is fully animated. And a couple of them were like the history of Atlantis and Babylon in the DC universe. And I'm like, this is so much more interesting than, than even the present day stuff. And you, yet you chose to animate the present day stuff. And you're doing this as like a motion comic that's explained to me. Like, I mean, not just, to be snotty about it, but like, isn't that the whole point of having an animated show is that you can do things like tell stories about Atlantis because you don't have to like build it. I think they, I think that they're getting um, canceled. I think that they know they're getting canceled and they got their budget cut for the last season. So, so they're cutting corners on stuff, right? See, it's, not, not that I'm not sure that you're 100% correct, but, but see, I have this theory about genre, you know, critics, journalists, 
Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's the reason why when I wrote for Bleeding Cool, I stuck with the SJW beat, right? The cultural stuff. Because mm-hmm. every time I try to step out of that box, I just feel like everything's great. You know, I, I believe you all, and you're going to hate me for this, uh, that, that, that folks like yourselves love this stuff, but you're paid not to. What do you think of that? I genuinely no, I literally just pubbed a piece. Well, okay, that's probably fair. I genuinely did not love the last season of The Flash that I got a death threat over criticizing. Because this past, <laughs> this past arc was this past <laughs> arc was literally, like someone threatened me if I didn't change my review that like bad things would happen, and oh I'd be like, God. "Dude, it's a subpar season of like a show that's been on for seven seasons." Like I said, touch some grass, but like I just like I think. I don't think it's that we are are more or less inclined to dislike it. I think we just want it to be better than it is sometimes. Like I just yes. pubbed a piece yesterday about a uh, spoiler alert for Spider-Man No Way Home for the people who have not seen it <laughs> um, about Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man coming back to No Way Home. And like I, I had saw the, that I had the most like visceral reaction to that. Like I was not Spider-Man is not like my favorite hero. I was like, whatever. No Way Home is going to be fun. I got to see it because like otherwise the Internet will ruin it for me. But I went to see it and I was like, so, I had like such a visceral reaction to seeing that Spider-Man again. And it's because that Spider-Man is so representative of so many of the things that Marvel doesn't do now, which is sincerity is and and opt- and real optimism and like yeah. not and everything that Steve Rogers is, but they make fun of him for, if that yeah. makes sense. Like, yep. and I was like, oh my God, I really missed this. And it really like having it back for a second when he like stepped in front of Tom Holland to stop him from killing Will- William Defoe, I was just like, I like got choked up. I was like, where has this been? This is why we watch superhero stories because they're aspirational because they're regular people that can say like, you know, I got middle-aged back pain, but I'm still going to be out here like fighting the good fight. Cause that's what you do yeah. with great power comes great responsibility, blah, blah, blah. And like, it was just, uh, it was, I was shocked how I reacted to it, but I was like, how I reacted to it. But I was like, oh, yes, this is what I love. This is, I loved it. Like, this is why I love it. Mm-hmm. That's exactly yeah. why. You bring a that- tear to my eye. I know. Like, You're- check me out on my guest soapbox here, y'all. Right. Well, so this is, this is, this is a good segue because my operate. So, like, the, the ostensibly the premise is uh, that, that we brought you on to talk about is the idea was, does Trek belong to Gen Z now with Prodigy? And with discovery being what they are. Oh my god, I'm um, so ready with my answer too. I have. I, I, <laughs> You'll answer so, it. We'll be done. We'll have a great. Day. No, it'll be long <laughs> and very sappy. I you apparently get answer. really emo out. I get really emo about science fiction for some reason, and I think it's because the real world is so shitty right now. That's um, yes. Yeah. Like because that's what I feel like. Uh, not to keep hammering the Spider-Man point, but I feel like we've lost the ability to look at our science fiction and have it not be like bleak and dark and look at the worst of us and i feel oh like God. science fiction is supposed to be the opposite of that it's i'm so excited not just because i have a massive crush on anton mount like epically large but i'm so excited for strange new worlds because that's what i feel like and i could be really wrong god knows i've been really wrong about a lot of other things but like everybody talking about that show talks about like the sort of old school starry eyed Star Trek feel to it. And like, that's what I feel like we need so much right now, just sort of in our pop culture. And I cannot wait for it. Cause I just, I'm going to be so mad and I'm going to write like a million pieces. If it's, if it's some sort of grim, dark thing where Anson Mount, like suddenly doesn't end up in the chair or something, but, but like, discovery hasn't been that. And it's the same people. 
So I, I can't imagine. Like them I just feel like that's that like to, to me, like that's what I need from Star Trek right now. And I think it's interesting to your Gen Z question that what I think is going to give us that is this very distinctly like throwbacky one. So so here's it's my throwbacky, thesis. but it's also different. Anyway, sorry, Jim, your thesis. So here, here's my thesis. Right, the best Star Trek stuff is a reflection of the hopes and fears of the generation of its generation. Your dog has a theory as well. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm guessing from what you were just saying that you're not all excited about uh, the Batman. Oh my God. <laughs> you feel well, like, exactly for so about many reasons. So I feel like, do you know, there are other heroes in this universe that you could make a movie about like literally anyone else. And also like, I saw the trailer and I was like, Oh God, no. Cause it literally is just like grim, dark fire, grim, dark. And I just, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do about I, that. Oh my God. I can't like, I, number one, you must be saying like, there are like 67 other DC heroes that you could perhaps make a movie about instead yes. of the fifth uh, version of this one. Yeah. Captain but, Carrot. Basing it on the long Halloween is going to drag me up the wall too, because I hate the Jeff Lowe Batman stuff. I, I hate don't, it. I'm like, so yeah, I get it. He's rich and sad. Ooh. <laughs> all right so my star trek thesis right the best trek is a reflection of the hopes and fears of the generation at the time the original series is a post-racial post-capitalist utopia right four environmentalist movie about how we can still fix things six is about making peace at the end of the cold war if you take the next generation in deep space nine as a pair next generation is about hope and beauty of discovery at the dawn of the information age deep space nine is about the limits of that hope and discovery, especially two and three, and what I've seen of four, it's about finding hope in a broken, out-of-control universe that's spiraling towards doom, right? Season two, of, Disco- Season two of Discovery was one sex nebula episode away from a classic Star Trek season, right? Like they go through a nebula and everyone wants yeah, to Yeah, nobody got poisoned by like sex gas, like Torchwood or something. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, that's all it was missing, right? Uh, but it had the goofy sci-fi stuff it had the techno babble it also it like it, and the way that it's casually offhandedly diverse mm, yeah is it in the same way that like you know sulu and uhura were it, it's the same thing that sulu and uhura were to the original series right because what's so funny to me is i know you haven't seen a lot of season four but actually season four i think if we take out my crush on anson mount which let's be fair weight season two fairly heavily the season season four is very i think you'll really like it because it is very i think it's the best one so far and i think it's the first i know it's like the third time the show's reinvented itself but like this time i think it sort of really works for it because it <laughs> is about like how do we collaborate and fix problems and how do we you know solve for like a threatening doom that's approaching that we can't identify that may or may not have been a weapon made by like extra galactic is not the word i want but i forget what they call it on the show aliens from right. outside the galaxy no extra galactic work that actually works i know yeah. it's like it sounds right i don't know yeah. if it is right but like yeah. the the thing that i think is so interesting to your point about all the diversity like it is so effortless and easy within the world of the show like outside of the show they get awkward about it being like we're introducing a non-binary character which a great a plus but like within the world of the show it's not like a very special episode vibe which i right. think I really appreciate that. Yeah. It was season four where I, I started noticing that I'm looking at a bridge that doesn't have a single white male on it. Well, I mean, unless mm-hmm. you count Saru. <laughs> right. Um, and that was uh, extraordinary. And it was so 
yeah. non-self-conscious about it. It was just, it was just the way it was. It was, yeah. uh, it was fantastic. Yeah. It, it, I, and this isn't to say that the stuff that's kind of self-referential is necessarily bad, right? Like Wrath of Khan is about, it's literally about old Star Trek, but it's an, it's the best submarine movie of all time. Right. So like Wrath of Khan is still good. Um, you know, Lower Decks is funny but it's extremely about Star Trek, right? You know, the, the replicators shooting out hot bananas it is one of my favorite jokes of all time, but that, that doesn't exist if you don't have 30 years of Star Wars knowledge built in, right? And, that's, and, so, and this is where I'm at on Prodigy. This is why I'm like a little bit iffy on Prodigy because I still don't know if Prodigy is about something or if Prodigy is about Star Trek. I think that's a fair question because I, th- I, I think I... I like Prodigy for what it is, but I don't know if you subtract the Janeway hologram, which very clearly like stake in the ground at Star Trek. Right. And you just showed me some of that show like without that. I don't know that I would automatically assume it was a Star Trek show. Oh, it could episode be anything one. else on Nickelodeon. Episode one was Star Wars. It was a pure yeah. Star Wars cartoon. I mean, it found a Star Trek groove after that, but I was watching the first one. I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> No, it's not until it's not until they it's not until they get the ship and they get almost sucked into the um, black hole that it starts to actually feel like Star Trek. That animation was gorgeous. The black hole animation. The, the all the space stuff lately has been really good. I feel like, and I feel like that's like that's real world stuff. That's Hubble, um, and that's you know whatever we're going to start getting back from the Webb Telescope mm-hmm. is going to make Star Trek look even better. You know. Um... Just to sort of spill into the generational stuff a little bit, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be a snot here and take some special ownership as a Gen Xer. I mean, Star I'm Trek. A Gen Xer. I'm a killing Gen Xer. <laughs> All right, I'm a I'm I'm a leading end. I'm sorry. Cusp, to say. I'm, I'm cusp of X and millennial. I'm an I'm uh, an, I'm a geriatric millennial. <laughs> Does that well, mean I'm like a baby Gen Xer? I don't know. I'm like I, I'm like the what did they they called it like the Jordan Catalano generation of like we're the Carter administration kids that everybody forgets about. Yeah, that, well, either, yes, you're you're baby Gen Xers. Either way, you're all you're both children to me. Um, <laughs> so, so I'll take it. I mean, I mean, Star Trek started as a boomer thing, right? And mm-hmm. boomers started getting they were the ones who started getting weird about it, you know, with oh. the with the strange conventions. But then mm-hmm. Generation X really took it on and got really weird with it. I mean, in terms of blowing that culture up, you know, we had the movies and then the new series has really came out of that. I, I'm not sure exactly what Millennial Trek is, honestly, but it did seem like that's where it was. Millennial Trek off. is Deep Space Nine. You think? See, Deep Space was, Nine started in 94, 95. I, I was thinking it was going to be the reboots would be the best. uh I think I, I might agree. Think I so. think I might agree with the reboot aspect of it because mm-hmm. Deep Space Nine to me feels jaded in a way that I self-identify with as a Gen Xer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, fair. and that's my least favorite Trek because it's too jaded, and I'm Mister. <sighs> you know, I'm 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 more Team Voyager than than Team uh, DS Nine. Okay, but, maybe that's true. But Deep Space Nine was also the best acted and the best written out of all of them. Out of the out of all of them. Yeah. Oh boy, I do I not agree with that? But <laughs> ha- having said that. Now, the current stuff, there's just the explosion of Star Trek right now. It, yeah, my husband is so happy. Oh, it's great. <laughs> it, it feels like Star Trek to me, but it doesn't feel like it's for me. You know, I look at Discovery. I love it. Discovery is Star Trek, and I love that about it. It makes me so happy. 
But in some ways, it's, I don't recognize it. In some ways, it's speaking a different language, especially with, oh, my God, sometimes I think, I mean, I love this stuff to an extent, but I swear to God, sometimes I think if I see any more hugging and tears, I'm... I'm uh, everybody's working out their trauma. Oh, my God. I, yes, I need, because I don't have access to working out my trauma, so I'm going to watch other people do it, and it's going to feel better. I know. I wish, like, uh, I wish Colbert was my therapist. I feel like he would really get my he's head so on good. straight. He's so good. The, uh, the the two old gay dads are the best part of that show. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Grudge is the best part of the show. Like, is that... hello. The cat. It's the cat. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, the, cat, the cat's not terrible. Um, I, did I have no when, idea when... why the show needs the cat, but I love the cat so much. <laughs> when not, when Tig Notaro showed up, I'm like, wait, oh, yeah. she's perfect. This is she's actually... Great. She's incredible. I'm like, I didn't realize that she could actually act. This is insane. In general, I think the acting on that show is painfully bad. Um, on Discovery? On on Discovery. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Oh, my really? God. Yes. Um, Michael has one setting. It's way over sincere. You've got, um, you know, the, the two new characters, all they do is weep and look and look sad. Um, if you if you could put a, a few of them into their own series, I think you could have a well acted one. But More like the, John Oldham. Huh? The, oh, my God. I, I think they're terrible, but I still, you know, they're starting to get terrible to me the way William Shatner was terrible in that the terribleness is just starts to be built into their character. Well, thank you for saying that, because I can't say that because I'll get divorced. Oh, really? <laughs> well, like, I mean, I have a Shatner, Shatner stand in my household. Shat- well, I'm a, big, I'm a big Shatner fan. It's And he started off, you know, in the early, very much more contained. It was really interesting. It was like some of his earlier performances and. You know, Twilight Zone and Brothers Karamazov. And then as he got cheesy, Kirk got cheesy too. So it wasn't to me so much like Shatner was doing a bad job, but that he was doing Kirk. This was Kirk. He doesn't, you know, and the Discovery folks, they're starting to go down that road with me. My my dude, my dude, there's nobody in this franchise or possibly any other franchise that read their own press clippings like William Shatner. So that is 100% why he started getting campy like that. And and that's why it only got worse as he got older because I mean, he started does anybody look at his Twitter? Was... It's like a nightmare. Oh, oh God. <laughs> he's honestly he's like a more pleasant Trump. Um, oh, oh, a, oh, this conversation is over. I have right, a full conspiracy theory. Us. I have a full conspiracy theory that like some agency does this Twitter for him. I cannot imagine he is sitting at home like doing I can. Twitter. I can. Um, or, you know, hiring exotic dancers to come to his house and paint themselves green and do the fan dance for him. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, yeah, next topic. <laughs> I was going to, but I was going to say on the Kirk train, I don't, I, I have to at least give Shatner credit for, I don't know what it is, but I really hate, um, oh shoot. Which one of the Chris's is it that is in the Kelvin timeline? Correct. Chris Pine. Fine. Chris Pine Both of is. Them. Technically, both Chris's well, are in it. That's true. That's well, true. no, I'm not not both of them. Two of the handsome Chris's. Oh, right. Are, the Thor Hemsworth is his, is his dad. That's yep. right. Um, I just his his Kirk infuriates me, and I can't really tell you why, other than just that he does, and that he actually no, I can tell you why, and I think it is because he somehow even more than Shatner's Kirk is like just the epitome of a dude that fails upward. Like he is the worst at his job, and yet they're like, well, guess we can't do anything but promote you. I just it drives me it drives me nuts like all of where he's the 
bit in the movie where he's trying to make um where he's trying to make Spock like break so he can stop him from being captured because he's like too emotional. I just want to punch him in his dumb face. This this goes back to my theory, my my thesis though that that the worst Trek is about Trek. He fails upward because Kirk's supposed to be the captain, right? Mm. Star Trek Into Darkness is far and away the worst Star Trek movie ever made because it's about Wrath of Khan specifically. I actually hate this so much because I am like an OG Cumberbatch. I love Benedict Cumberbatch and I will Uh never forgive him for that PR campaign before that movie. I will never forgive him for, I will never forgive him for being in a movie written by a 9-11 truther where they ask him, who are you? And he says, Khan, very dramatically. And the next answer, the next response was not, who the hell is Khan? Because they weren't supposed to, like, they never did the space seat thing. They never had the, ori- the, the original series oh. episode. So they shouldn't have known who he was. Well, if you said like, his full name. considered that, no. but not incorrect. No, but they right. should have known who he was. If, I think he used his full name. No, he said Khan. Oh, okay. The face he's that you make when be... you say Khan is the I hate that movie so much. It's like, it's really, like, honestly, like the movie is like, um, what if Bush did the eugenics wars? He instead of what a nice outerwear outer. though she said from the shallow end of the gene pool his jackets are great they are they're very well, nice they didn't i mean the bug me about that is two things actually one is that there was no acknowledgement that this guy was a massive historical character that we got in the first one you know when they found out who he was is they're like holy shit i mean this guy was a, a fascist dictator who controlled a quarter of the world right you you remember those people and they did in the in the in the original so that bugged me but also the casting you know they had a chance but they had a chance to cast you know if not a sikh then in an indian and not a, they, not a posh brit and they and they got they got cumberbatch i mean one thing you can say about the original is <laughs> it wasn't whitewashed <laughs> <laughs> However, that that all being no, said, they had a bronze washed there. in the original. <laughs> they had a chance, and they didn't. They didn't take it. Um, I will. Uh, um, the one thing, the one saving grace for the reboot movies is Carl Urban, uh, who should be cast in Infinite Things. He. Oh, you know what's funny is that mentally, I've already moved him over to like the boys. Like that's yes. where he is mentally for me. Like I was like, who? And I was like, oh, he was in that. There's nobody. There's nobody in those movies who had a better time than him playing Bones, and even you can see it's it's Carl Urban playing Bones the whole time. But Carl Urban is having the time of his life doing it. Oh, I yeah. agree, Lila. He's having the time of his life doing it, and I I appreciated it. I would no, actually I... say that's true about Simon Pegg too. He always seems like a yes. little low grade drunk, but oh, yeah. also yep. like he's having a blast. Him and his well, little rock friend. And that's why Beyond was the best of the three because Pegg wrote it and wrote him having the time of his life in it, right? Like everybody, like you could tell everybody was like, had finally given up on the Star Trek mystique and just decided to have fun there. <laughs> Even though the climax of the movie is the Beastie Boys saving the galaxy. Yeah. Real dumb. Really Real great dumb. needle drop though. Gotta give yeah, him a great it's song. Awesome. It's just um, mounting, the, mounting the speakers on the outside of the Enterprise to blast the Beastie Boys into space to blow up a wave of things nanites um, I don't know. although to be honest like if we're going to be honest like star trek is sort of at its best when that's the kind of story it's doing that's true that's versus true. Uh, the other two movies right but versus shooting khan out of a torpedo tube 
Yeah. <laughs> now, I would disagree with you about, I think the first one of those three was the best, but what I'm going to do, and I'm I can't, do even, it really I can't well. even deal with that though, because of the, te- like I, I am a Whovian first and foremost. So I, <laughs> I am used to ignoring violations of like time travel laws, but that whole movie is just a violation of time travel laws. They should all immediately die upon talking to pretty much everyone else. How do you see? How do you think? I thought that was one of the only ones that's gotten it right. Oh, I I don't know though, because Spock shouldn't be there because every Spock telling them all that stuff, even though he's like, wink, wink, nod, nod, I shouldn't be telling you. Ha ha. Like that should kill them all. Oh, that just means he's a bad time traveler. I thought you meant the uh, the way that it was, you know, sort of crafted. The parallel. Oh no, I thought the idea branching. of like we're gonna make a we're gonna make a multiverse. I thought that was actually a really good idea, and I kind of wish that we had done maybe a little bit more with that mm. aspect of it because I know multiverses are the thing now, but they are kind of cool and get you out of a lot of narrative problems. Yeah. Well, and they are kind of doing it right. Picard takes place in a separate time in the original timeline. Picard doesn't take place in the beyond timeline. Yeah, I think they sort of just, I think we're back to main timeline. Oh, now, yeah, aren't we? yeah, yeah. Nothing, yeah. nothing the, takes Nothing place has happened in the beyond timeline. Yeah, yeah. it's just, what is uh, the, it's the Except Kelvin universe. And that's Spock like the, yeah. over there. I think yeah. Spock's death still, ha- or maybe they, maybe his disappearance is what they were mourning in um, Discovery. Yeah. Or yeah, what they were it, mentioned it, in Discovery. Um, exactly. That was because the reboot wasn't a true reboot, right? It was, yeah. Uh, and so we're still in that original timeline. Yeah. What one thing I'm going to mention that I'm going to do was um, you mentioned this here. It's going to take a Herculean effort by me, but as a Trekkie, I have the impulse to every time somebody says something I disagree with to jump in and tell them that they're wrong, which I had to do with you know telling you you were wrong about. Uh, so I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. That's like you, my brand. You'll see me turning. Just ugh, what is I'm what is the point it. of having po- a podcast if you're not going to jump in and tell someone who's obviously incorrect that they're being wrong? I mean, well, you're incorrect on the internet, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm just going to delete my Twitter account then. I guess <laughs> I could do it preemptively. You're all you're wrong. wrong. Whatever you say, you know, absolutely you know. incorrect, John. You're because you're kids. You're just <laughs> yep. Well, tell that to my random, inexplicable back pain. <laughs> <laughs> i'll do you one better i i can explain my back pain so there you go that I makes me to, older like not to just be like i feel super old middle age sucks but like i went to bed one night and i woke up the next day and it felt like i'd been in a fight and i was like did i hurt my back in my sleep i don't know that just happens now you had a really vigorous dream i hope so i wish it was that it was that active i wish it had counted on my apple watch oh, geez. lift with your knees in your dreams gotta remember <laughs> Let's talk about Prodigy some more because I feel like I don't have like a really good, like I like it in sort of a generic sense, but I don't feel like I necessarily have like a great handle on what it wants to be. And I don't know if that's, the, I, th- that might just be because it doesn't. Uh, but- it hasn't shown us what it is <clears throat> all the way yet. Right. Like it, that also the mid season break in the middle of two, like two connected episodes is baffling I don't right like it's not like a particularly like great cliffhanger either like okay no, your dad's gonna chase planet. you like yeah cool yeah. it's not I, <clears throat> but that's like an administrative thing that's not necessarily a storytelling yeah thing. i mean i don't know why they're taking <clears throat> a season break in the middle of discovery either like yeah it seems really weird well I guess it's and then trying to get you to keep your paramount plus subscriptions through the back half of prodigy so you can see the back half of discovery i don't know no you know what happened they gave away um 99 cent subscriptions to paramount plus in november 
Yeah. Uh, so it's getting people, it's getting, they're, they're getting people for a month after the 99 cent offer expires to stick with discovery. Does that bode ill? I mean, if they're, uh, I bodes ill for the gimmicks like that. Are there, is there doesn't bode ill for the show? It bodes ill for the streaming service. Well, that's what I mean. The streaming service has put all of its marbles into the Star Trek thing here, the Star Trek bandwagon. So if the streaming service isn't working, um, I don't know, but they have a Yellowstone show on there, and I have not seen minute one of any Yellowstone property, but apparently it's the most popular thing in America. Uh, yeah, well, it's popular with the olds, right, John? <laughs> I don't know what people you're who like about. it. Uh, you know, the one that I felt most welcome to, though, the Star Trek, was I went through this whole process with it and I stopped watching it and only recently went back, got over myself and my eyes were open, was uh, Picard. Hmm. Picard felt like, well, first of all, it started, I was like, oh, grimdark, give me a break. Which is a little weird of a mesh with that character. I had it, that kind of reaction at the beginning, was. too. And I, Patrick Stewart saying something about how well the time is different now. Well, the time in the 60s was the Vietnam War. It was civil rights. It was a pretty dark, damn time. And they stayed optimistic. So I, I abandoned it. I came back because I knew I had to see it or I wouldn't know what I was talking about as a Trekkie. And it was brilliant. It went right into Star Trek. It gave you the first half, all this grimdark, and then led you by the hand into a totally Star Trek story with an absolute Star Trek ending. It brought tears to my eyes. I, I absolutely loved it. So, but that one felt like, and I guess because it's Picard, but also well, no, because you don't think style. his character would be like that. Is the thing like you're yeah. like, oh, he's not going to be like the champion of the dark Star Trek because he's no. Picard. And he got his way. He led them all to the light. And it was very bright, um, including it brightened up when they started showing sunshine. So it was no coincidence. <laughs> Can we stop that as a trend in TV, by the way? If I have to literally like turn my brightness up on my laptop to watch your show, to watch like vague husks on your show, walk around, like, please fix your lighting. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I felt like that one was aimed to those of us, you know, the, the Gen X type crowd, early millennial crowd, if you will. No, what'd you all think of that? You, I, loved it, I loved it too, actually, even though I too had to like get over it a little bit, like the, the sort of tonal disconnect from what I remembered of the character. Cause I've, I haven't actually watched next generation since I was, let's just say much younger than I am now. And, and I only had like sort of not like sense memories, but kind of like sense memories, like like blobs of memories of specific moments and kind of a general feeling for the show. And I was like, oh, the beginning of this does not really feel like how I remember Picard being. Mm -hmm. But I ended up really liking it. I thought it was really uh, one of the rare instances that they did. Um, and I don't mean nostalgia in like a cloying way, but where mm -hmm. they sort of looked back to the past and used it to like move a present story forward in a way that really worked. I thought all the Borg stuff was fantastic. I thought... Mm -hmm. Jerry Ryan was amazing. I would watch a whole show with Seven of Nine. Yeah, like it, I, they, I really do think they did an mean, angry job. Borg hunter Seven of Nine. Hell yeah, yes, yeah, with her like great. leather jacket and her like thigh holsters. Yes. Bring that on. <laughs> yes. Well, yep. it sure made me feel very welcome as as a Gen Xer into you know. It's like okay, you may not recognize some of these other forms, and you know I don't care. I love them, but I could see how some other folks might feel like this is not my Star Trek. I think that's a problem with any you. fandom. I think that's right. a problem that any fandom will generally, but especially one that's as old as this one. Like I said, I'm a Whovian. And let me tell you how unpleasant it has been to watch some people have to see a woman be the doctor. It's 2022 people. 
Well, these are the people who probably never got over <laughs> William Hartnell being gone, right? So, yeah, I, you know, it's just it's really like it's I don't know. Changes is hard, I think, for some for some <laughs> of these like elder statesman type fandoms, which is why I actually really I know that there are some people who are like not super happy about how like the glut of Star Trek content that is currently happening, but I Make feel it. like those people are are probably wrong, really yes. wrong, actually not probably, but I think that if you can have enough. I always say this about women in genre properties when you can have more than one woman. So that woman doesn't have to be all things to all people and cover every tick, every box of like a female character, then the characters are better. And I think that's the same thing with these sorts of shows too. Like, you know what? You don't want to watch like people working out their traumas on discovery. Like, okay, strange new worlds is over here. And that has a more throwback feel supposedly. And like, you know, you can find your lane. And you don't have to, I know we're all psychotic and we'll watch all of them, but like, Mm -hmm. if you don't like, you like, you can find the one that fits you and it Mm -hmm. doesn't like at one Star Trek show doesn't have to tick the box for every single viewer. The, the, the comparison that I feel like is, is super apt right now to, to what Paramount Plus is doing with Star Trek is X-Men stuff with Marvel, right? There was a period of time where the X-Men were everything where they could cancel an Avengers book cancel iron man fantastic four shunt them off to a parallel universe and and go without publishing um you know the the characters who are the monsters now uh, because the x-men carried the line and now they're kind of getting back into that situation but there's a billion x-men books on on shelves right now the thing is there's the different books serve different purposes they talk to different audiences Mm -hmm. you don't have to read them all you don't have to like x factor if you don't want them i think it's actually really important that that point that Jim just made about like you can have different audiences for different things. Mm-hmm. And I think that in our sort of like big blockbustery kind of culture, we think that there's only one, there's only one true thing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's like, it doesn't have to be like that. And I think it's really limiting to think about your, your media like that. And I think that's possible. That's made possible uh, largely because the, the, you know, the Gen Z crowd here, are not as obsessed with continuity as the rest of us were. Eventually you have a fandom that just breaks you of that. Doctor Who is mine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like everything. It's like, oh no, we rewrote it for the fifth time. Like, okay. Yeah. And that's, uh, it, you know, it's hard to admit it, um, but that's a healthy thing. You just, I mean, you're going to get a diversity of approaches, a diversity of styles, and that's only good. I agree. And you know what? And a diversity of kinds of stories it tells. One of Mm -hmm. my favorite episode of Picard was like the heist one where they end up like in costumes and he's speaking French and they're they're trying to find or rob an artifact or something. But like make one that's like a Western, make one that's a romance. Like there's different ways to tell stories that you can explore in different lanes like that. Well, and the nice thing about now is that they don't have to shove those stories into a holodeck to pull them off. Also true. Well, although we had the Western episode in the original, they didn't have a holodeck. It's way, no, they went see, to a Western planet. The original was way ahead of it. No, they were in this psychic bubble oh. of telepathy. I just That's want fair. the real, you know, the little thing from Lower Decks, the the Microsoft Word, the clip art. It's like alive in the holodeck. I want like yes. that to be in the real show so badly. <laughs> I I feel like uh, like I feel like the holodeck is such a missed opportunity for comedy. Like I had I been writing on the next generation i 100 percent would have had um wharf jordy and troy running onto the uh, running onto the bridge during a red alert dressed as uh blanca ryu and chun lee from street fighter 
<laughs> just not explain it. Just have them show up there dressed like that. I mean, what else is the point of a holodeck? Street right? Fighter feels very athletic, but point made. <laughs> you know, it's that or, you know, sex with Beverly's grandma's ghost boyfriend. You can't. That's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. And, and we thought TV was weird now. Y'all don't know. Yeah. Right? Right, yeah. kids today. So one uh, metric that I was sitting here thinking, we're talking about Star Trek and how it is now, how it's changed. And there's a there's a real big metric of that that I almost hesitate to bring up because it could launch us into another two-hour conversation. And that's looking at how Star Trek, all the different iterations over all the different generations have treated women. It wasn't so good in the beginning. It's a it big progressive not. Star Trek gave us maybe the most sexist episode of any television series I have ever seen in its, its final episode, Turnabout Intruder. Oh my God. It didn't just hit everything. It was proud of it. It's and often it very it hard proud. to be a woman who loves genre because it doesn't love you back a lot. Like a whole it lot. does now. It does, more it, does now. now. it does more now than it used to, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think I need to preach to you about, legends right i mean oh, yeah legends is another one like um discovery where it is just offhandedly diverse and there's one straight white dude on camera on any right on a, any kind of regular basis mm-hmm. um and that 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 feels like where discovery that feels like where star trek generally is at right now mm-hmm. and i is, feel like it's even trying to fix some of the stuff that it knows it did wrong. Mm-hmm. I haven't really decided how I feel about a young Uhura being on Strange New Worlds. I think I'm positive of it. I'm positive towards it. I'm just very, I just love Nichelle Nichols. I think it'll be fine because I think they've handled sort of the legacy characters in, in that little bubble of Pike and Spock and number one together very well before. But it just always made, when I was thinking about that show, I would always think about, wow, finally going to get to find out like what number one's name is. That's cool. <laughs> it's just it's amazing to me that like this is a show that originally was going to start out with a woman in you know her position and they were like oh no can't have that too many men will be upset and only now however many years later it's been are we actually going to see ostensibly see her story so Mm -hmm. i think that's a really great like mile marker for how far we've come seems like it's wait 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 wait. she was supposed her character was supposed to be from the original series Mm -hmm. have you ever seen the um the what is she she's she's in the cage but originally yeah, okay. she was it's been supposed, forever yeah she's the badass in the yeah. cage she she's is like totally badass we're gonna blow you all up if you're not gonna let us go i mean you know it's like ready to it's wrong to keep humans as slaves and sets the phaser to overload and you're just like whoa okay she's serious she's the hardcore yeah, one it's really awesome and you only see okay. her for that one episode and i know somebody is going to yell at me about by not having this entirely correctly but i'm not googling it so i'm making this up as i go but i think she was originally i think it originally came down to because that actress i believe was gene ronberry's wife or girlfriend yeah. Yeah. and um she or was originally gonna wife. or became the word and yeah. that was, turned out to be the wife right but um exactly. Uh, I think she was originally going to be a bridge character. She was going to be, you know, number one, because that's the only name we know for her. But um, I guess the network decided that they couldn't have a woman and like a Vulcan or right. uh, like it was something it was something crazy. Like audiences can't handle women and aliens. Oh, no. Well, uh, when, so- okay. when I saw Gene Roddenberry speak, his his line was 
Uh, the network said, you can try again, but get rid of the guy with the ears and get rid of the woman. So they, you know, got rid of the woman, of course. Mm. So she's Luxana. <laughs> yeah. She's Troy's mom. Huh. And the computer. Okay. Yes, and the computer. <laughs> it's true. Um, okay. No, I had I had not remembered that. It has been uh several years since i I've only know that don't feel bad series. i only know that because i wrote a piece about her like when they greenlit strange new worlds and i was like oh my god number one we'll get her too well you know and what's I funny is Google. is um you know our next series um is gonna have two characters that were originated by majel barrett you know you've got number one and you've got uh nurse chapel they're both going to be in there and that's i think she that's was nurse chapel too awesome yeah that yeah, was, it's like, hey, we're gonna let these ladies do some stuff for once. Oh my! Oh, no, this one lady do some stuff. <laughs> oh wow, good for her. They should just, yeah, she should be Rebecca Romaine. Yeah, it's like she characters. just like she has like a dark wig on in one, and yeah, right, like blonde right. in the other. <laughs> I, don't, I like, I don't know, like, yes. So yes, I think going back to our our main question. Oh um, yeah, that. Yes, I think. <laughs> like, Star wait, Trek what was it? Ball. <laughs> I think Star Trek does belong to Gen Z now, but yeah, but I, think I don't that's think that's great. like exclusionary either. I don't right. think it can only, but it's not like there could be only one to be like right. Highlandery about it. Like, a- right? But are we just the, the guests now? I mean, that's the yeah. thing. Do we get to sit in the living room um, while you know Gen Z owns the house? I think it's a train, and I think there's a train car for the classic Trek people, and I think there's a train car for the next generation era people, and I think that there's a train car for the kids. Can we call it um, Snowpiercer? Yes. Well, the, the train car for the kids is the engine. I'm sorry, I just watched like the latest Book of Boba Fett episode, and all I could be, like that where they have the sand train, and I was just like, it's Snowpiercer in the desert. <laughs> okay, we're gonna stop. we're gonna have to schedule a, a totally separate um, <laughs> episode of this podcast for me to talk about how I how much I dislike the television Star Trek stuff or Star Wars uh, stuff. Oh, Boba Fett is so boring. Like I mean, Mandal- I, you know what? And I do feel really like too. I like. I mean, at least Mandalorian has baby has baby Yoda, and I can I'm, feel like I like that a lot better. I do feel like Boba Fett is specifically targeted at a segment of the fandom who like never let go of their action figures of Boba Fett from whenever, and they're like, "This is the show for them," and it has nothing. It it's not for me. They oh, turned boy. Patton Oswalt's joke monologue into actual canon, <laughs> right? They act that. You remember him like freestyling vaguely, at the mic I remember in this, that this happened on Parks and Rec. I don't remember what he said. He said the exact scene where Boba Fett punches out of the ground. He described the exact scene, shot for shot, of how Boba Fett crawls out of the Sarlacc. And they no. did it on purpose. <laughs> there is such a thing as too much fan service. That's true. But I tell you. That's, I and that's wait. where Star Wars is at right now. Aso- the Ahsoka series, though, I can't wait for that. I am so psyched. I'm uh, excited because I only even know who that is because I have friends who cosplay that character. I know absolutely nothing about anything to do with that. So I'm a blank so slate. You, okay. So if you decide to go back, um, the rule about the Clone Wars cartoon is read the episode description first. If they mention the word droids anywhere in the episode description, skip it. The, the droid episodes Isn't of the, the cartoons whole Clone are Wars bad. thing supposed to be about like droids? No, yes, but there the are episodes that are specifically about the droids doing something s- stupid, and they're oh. always goofy and pointless and obnoxious. You're really um, selling this to me. The, um, the, the last like three seasons of Clone Wars are really good. 
and there's stuff with you've seen solo right mm-hmm. there's stuff I mean, with darth yeah. maul I they do the Darth Maul comeback in Clone Wars, right? And then that carry, and then the last three seasons of Clone Wars carry into Rebels, and Rebels was spe- spectacular. See, I'm wondering, as a you know, doing a, a podcast here ostensibly about Star Trek, and as a big Trekkie, should I be offended now that we're talking about Star Wars? I don't, I don't think you I can think separate all, the two I anymore. I think they're all, they're all of a family. The I don't know, I don't know family. that there are many people who don't have crossover between like star wars and star trek or doctor or doctor who or battlestar galactica or something the expanse something in there yeah i mean you if you like one you're gonna like some of if you like one you're gonna like enough of the genre that it's gonna carry you into the other do we think star trek is trying to do the star wars thing with the anna with this like foray into animated stuff they got two now well pr- the first prodigy sure was pro- prodigy prodigy it, it was star wars man mm, I, I feel like calling star trek star wars is a cop out when it's shorthand for explaining star trek that you don't like right yeah. <laughs> um it's it may not necessarily be accurate but like the they, the two do very different things right star wars is very clearly fantasy Mm-hmm. And the comparison between the two, the, the, you know, this is just Star Wars is often shorthand for this is less sci-fi than I want it to be. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, you know, it's not, it's, it's a really surface level comparison. I don't know that, I, I, I don't know that John is necessarily wrong about calling the first episode of Prodigy Star Wars, um, but it definitely doesn't kind of capture the the full nuance. I think calling it, like saying that that first episode could have been literally any other cartoon on Nickelodeon at the time um, is a a much more kind of damning condemnation of it. Um, And this is, you know, for, for the folks listening, the show got better. The show got much more Star Trek-y immediately after that first episode. So you should definitely check it out. I do wish they would do a little bit more with some of the, like, cause I know they put, I know this is a show for children, so I shouldn't expect it so much, but or maybe not a show for children, but a show whose first audience will probably be children uh, yeah. is maybe a better way to phrase it. Because, I mean, it's got like John Noble in it, and I don't think he does kid shows. But, um, <laughs> but uh, like, I wish that there's like these moments, these things in there that are clearly there to appeal to the hardcore, you know, older people. Like um, the... Oh yes, the guy was like the alien that has to live in a suit. Like, no one... Oh. Yeah. Um, oh, the Medusin. The yeah. Medusin, that's yep. what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, like, he, and he can't. He has to live in a containment suit because if you look at him, you will literally lose your mind. And oh, I, think I was that's so just, like, excited. A cool character, and they literally like he's just a robot, basically. Mm-hmm. So I would really like something to acknowledge that these characters come from like established histories, not necessarily like specifically as people, but you know, sort of like as species. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know because I'm like, uh, why else have that character? Well, and it's but it's really tough to judge when you're five episodes into the That's show, true. right? That's true. I and mean, it's not like Discovery hasn't taken four seasons to get good, right? And it's and also I liked the first season. Oh my gosh, I hated the first season. I was so happy when they sort of just like yeah. ghosted on the Klingons. Yeah, the first season was really. Bad. I literally fell asleep once during one of the Klingon scenes where they were just yelling about politics and Klingon. I, I, yeah, Oof. I did my I, I I did my first pass through of um, Paramount Plus when Picard came out. 
And I watched, I binge watched Picard and then I tried season one of Discovery and I just couldn't do it. And I jumped ahead to season two. And season like, two is such like just me. so different. You could really just like read a summary of season one and, and not yeah. even bother with it. Cause it's like the Klingon stuff is just like, well, and the timeline stuff. It's like, what that, what that, like, what is this? I don't remember hearing anything about any of this. I don't understand. They have a mushroom drive now. It's so much more advanced than <laughs> anything. Sounds like Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> totally. Well, at least you got to admit that. Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Malfoy. Uh, oh, I love Jason, him, Jason Isaacs. Jason yeah. Isaacs. He was terrific. He's, I actually he's... really wanted him to stay. Like, I was really mad when it turned out that he was a mirror clone because I actually thought it was great that he was just an asshole. I thought. Like, could, I thought that um... was. I thought that was such a like different twist on sort of what we expect like our tropes of Starfleet captains to be like not every one of them can be Anson Mount like there's got to be some crappy ones or some middle of the road ones yeah. or some that are just like good at their jobs but terrible people like I love that he just sucked as a person until he turned <laughs> out to be evil well he could he had arch villain written all over it well you that's because he played what's his face but like, I don't think you get yeah. away from that if you play Lucius Malfoy <laughs> no no but on the other hand we did get a uh, good two seasons of Michelle Yeoh being a lovable asshole too. Oh, and in fact, I think where this, is her spinoff? By the way, uh, I don't know. But she's uh, she's busy making weird. I know she's bo- she's booked and busy. Yeah, and I'm happy for that. Well, that's the that's the root of the problem I'm starting to have with Discovery now is that her character really grounded it in a way, and now it's sort of free floating, touchy feely. I love you so much, and. She was she was a real counter to that, you know, and not in the sense that she somehow invalidated or canceled it out. It just I think I think narratively she uh, she provided some other energy that was really important. I feel like if you spend too much time with Section 31 stuff, Star Trek disappears up its own ass. Oh, yes. No, no. <laughs> argument. Um, please, and please elaborate. It's anti Star Trek. It's explicitly anti Star Trek. Yeah. Um, and, and right. It's anti utopian. It's a. Uh, it's a CIA, but meaner in a universe where that stuff isn't supposed to exist. Right. Mm. Um, and that, and, and so it's very existence pushes a cynicism on you that kind of Maybe breaks the like show. That. I felt like the only reason they were brought into discovery, cause I thought that was an odd choice given we're dealing with such clearly utopian creators was to have good triumph over, over evil was to have the light triumph over the dark and to show us you know, we know what Star Trek is and Star Trek is better than this. And yes. so I could live with that. Yeah, I think I, I, I like that read um, and it feels good to me. So I'm going to go with it. Bro, it's all about feeling good. I, that's and that Discovery season four. Watch it now. <laughs> Streaming now. On <laughs> Paramount Plus. <laughs> Thanks to Interplay Entertainment for permission to play this theme from the Starfleet Academy game.